High motor, good flow. <laughs> yeah, good flow. How's, good how's flow. the drip? Drippy. You know, if you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs, like you have to field your most talented roster from day one. And your most talented roster includes those two players, just solely based on their talent. That, that's how AJ Hinge works is, you know, we want to win the day. And if we win the day, then we're going to win weeks and we're going to win months. And, and, and then, you know, we're a playoff team. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we have a guest today we've been trying to get on for a long time. And in the pre, we, we don't want to call this a pre-show meeting, but he's acting like, oh, shucks that he's here. But frankly, he's been blowing us off. You know what I mean? You're walking around with his shoulder-length hair. and I, Maybe it doesn't bother you, Carlos, but I don't have any hair at all. The least he could do is uh, you know, let, let us borrow some of that. And um, I don't know. It's good to have uh, this young fella whose name is Evan Petzold, covers the Tigers for us. And uh, I don't know. Baseball is your sport, Carlos, so how about you take it away? I mean, baseball writers are a different breed, Sean. Um, you know, they're they're eccentric. Uh, they can be aloof. They can be hard to, to pin down. They're all over the place. Um, How do you explain Jeff Seidel then? He, he's a columnist. He's not really a baseball. He's just a he's a seamhead. I mean, his kids played baseball. That's what that's what Jeff's about. But but Evan Evan is you, you can't be a normal person and cover a team for 162 games plus spring training plus you know playoffs i mean what is it you get you get like three days off during and then there's the you know hot stove and i don't know how these guys do it uh you know evan i I guess you have to be young right or young at heart or something crazy i mean let's ask evan what how how does he how did we trick him into doing this a a little bit of everything i would say a little bit of everything i guess being young definitely helped because i do have the uh you know a high motor and stuff like that i mean that that definitely works for me um but yeah, it's it, it's different. It's crazy. It feels like it never stops until the lockout, you know, comes along and and then it stops and then there's nothing to talk about for 99 <laughs> days or, or whatever it was. But um, but no, it's just day by day, day by day. Well, well, was it was it worse with the lockout? Just having just a bunch of these uh, prospects there and intra squad games and I mean, because usually it's you know pitchers and catchers and then you get the. The, the prospects and you get the real players coming in. They start playing some games after a couple of weeks, but this is just, I don't know, like groundhog day. It seemed like just talk. I mean, how many stories did you write about, you know, Riley green and Spencer, Spencer Turkelson uh, too many, too many, but, um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I do think that like, you know, being around for minor league mini camp and being able to see the inner workings of the new player development staff was actually really fascinating. Like it, it was interesting to get a deeper dive into some of that kind of um, some of that kind of stuff, because, you know, everything is kind of, you know, the foundation is what AJ Hinch and, and Chris Fetter and those guys are all doing at the big league level. And to see the extension of that now, you know, going down to the minor leagues through, you know, Ryan Garko, who's the new, you know, VP of player development, um, and especially Gabe Rebus, the new director of pitching. I, I think he, um, you know, he really blew me away with just, just how smart he is and, and the energy that he brings um, to be able to see some of those things were, were fascinating, whether it's, you know, it could be anything in terms of just mindset or pitch grips, you know, learning how to manipulate pitch grips, things that guys said, you know, we have never even heard before. Like we didn't even know that this was possible. Um, and so to be able to see that kind of like at the foundation, as you look at an organization, I found that to be kind of fascinating, but after about two weeks to that though, I mean, yeah, you start itching for the big leagues to show up and eventually <laughs> they arrived. So, so it's all good. Carlos, uh, before we get into, cause we want, excuse me, we want Evan's thoughts on the, 
the lockout a little bit in baseball and the Tigers, obviously, expectations and the hope our friend Jeff loves to use um, every time he writes, which is a which is a which is a good thing. But um, before we get into that, I, ju- I just want to let our listeners know. I mean, we, we kind of we get lucky with Evan. Uh, let's just be serious here for a second, right, Carlos? We stumbled into him, I, I think, a little bit. He came to us from Central Michigan, right, Evan? Yeah. It was kind of a, um, you know, you did a little bit of everything there for a while. You, I, I, I don't remember if you were an intern or not. You'll have to forgive me, but I'm curious. First of all, did you did you want to be a baseball writer, or did you just kind of want to be a sports journalist? And then you'd go wherever there was an opportunity. It's actually really fascinating because um, when I was in high school, I did stuff for blogs and web. I mean, really anybody that would let me write about anything for free, you know, when I was in high school, I would do it. And um, baseball was kind of my go-to. Like I love watching the Tigers. I love watching, you know, baseball in general. Like that was, that was kind of my, that was my sport in, in high school. And I didn't play. Um, I played basketball and, and played golf and, you know, the height, I'm 6'3", so that really helps, um, you know, on the court. But baseball was no good, but loved watching it, loved like the inner workings of the game. I, I loved, you know, pitching changes and, and just small, the small details, right. The, you know, the, the 26 guy on the roster, like those kind of things mattered to me. Um, and I always found them super fascinating. And so when I went to college, I ended up transitioning away from, from baseball and covered more football and, and men's and women's basketball. Like that was, um, that was, def- those were definitely the beats, you know, in, in college, but yeah, it just so happened, you know, with the, the free press internship and did a little bit of everything. Um, even a couple things on the news side and, spot opened up, took it and, and kind of ran with it. But yeah, baseball, I would say is, is kind of the first love. So, um, I feel really, really lucky and really blessed. Well, I just want our listeners, sorry, Carlos, I just want our listeners to know that that's not easy to do, right? You come to us as an intern and you know, at a, a major metropolitan daily and then find your way onto the staff. Cause Evan was so good. You remember this, Carlos as an intern that I can remember the sports editors at the time and the editors at the time saying, you know, we got it. We got to get this young guy before he goes. And then you do everything well, and then you get into baseball. And I don't want to compare. You know, coaches hate this, by the way. Oh, who does this player remind you of, right? But I'm going to do it because I've actually had several, I want to say three different people in the last few weeks as this is ramped up again with the Tigers, say, you know, he reminds me of John Morosi, right? Oh. I've had three different people compare. And I think you're, you you guys are different. You bring your own stuff. But um, but Morosi was, was really, really good when he was here. You got the same kind of energy and juice, man, and uh, and we're really lucky to have you. All right, Carlos, go with a real question. Yeah, well, no, no, the the, you know, I mean, Evan said, you know, he, he wrote, you know, stuff for free when he was in high school. It's kind of like me, Sean. I'm writing for free. I don't get I don't get your salary, so you know, I don't get paid that much. But um, what you what you, but, but what you do is do we call that writing? Yeah, it's it's writing. I'm doing really? air quotes. You can't see it on the podcast, but I'm doing air quotes. But oh, uh, by you know, the way, by the way, and Evan, I don't know if you saw this. He dug into the uh, Ashawn Robinson well again about how hard it is to walk up to a 300-pound lineman. Oh, he's going to kick my butt. He threw a chair. Oh, my God, I'm a tough guy. Nobody else will go into the locker room and ask a tough question. Way to go, Carlos. I think that's great. Hey, I live to tell about it. Ashawn Ashawn was – I almost wrote this. I was. I think I wrote it. I took it out. I said something like, uh, Ashawn's one of the few guys who could probably win a fight just by looking at you. I mean, the dude is just like a scary dude. Um Who's actually, scarier, him or Prince Fielder? Prince Fielder? What do you? Wait, Prince Prince Fielder's wife is scarier than Prince Fielder. What are you talking about? Oh my God! I can't Prince believe you said Fielder? that. Prince Fielder? 
Prince Come Fielder on. sat in a corner and scowled, right? And uh, he yeah, because we know why, oh what God. was going on. But well, no, no, no. Not just, no, not just that. That whole clubhouse at the time was. Uh, well, anyway, we don't. Well, this go is going way. off the rails because I want I want to put it on the record that you asked if Evan was an intern. Evan was one of the kings. We've had great interns, but Evan was one of the king interns, and we worked. I think it was the first pandemic year in 2020, and Evan did an amazing job at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. That's golf, Sean. You've never been to the golf tournament, but it's it's golf. I was there last um, year, but that's okay. Watching okay. your hairy legs poke out of the shorts. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, wait. That's Is that like a slur? Like a hairy legs is a bad thing? No. Uh, uh, here's suit. How about that? No. Her suit. Thank you. But Evan was amazing. There was a protest. There was all kinds of stuff going on. Um you know, and I think that was a, that was. I, let, let me say this to anybody out there, whether you're in sports journalism, whatever it is, you know, young people, um, if you get an internship, work your butt off, work your butt off as hard as you can, not only for the experience but for the impression it leaves on people. And Evan left a really, really strong and lasting impression. And it's and it is uncommon to be hired full time at the Free Press right from your internship so well i, I do want to hey, i really got to cut you guys off for a second and just say i appreciate all that kind of stuff but you have to <laughs> you got to give credit where credit's due i mean chris thomas kirkland crawford i mean ryan ford like those guys putting me you know in a position to to, to be successful and to and to have those opportunities i mean that you sound like a no, baseball no, player yeah, that's no, great no no you no, sound no, like no, an nfl no. guy at the combine <laughs> or an nba oh. player oh i'm just grateful for this opportunity i'm gonna take it one day at a time okay go ahead yeah. Evan. no just, next he's gonna tell honest. us he's got like He's got like fluid hips and well, he already said he had a high motor. I mean, that's oh my god, high motor, good flow. <laughs> yeah, good flow. How's, good how's flow. the drip? Drippy. Well, it looked pretty good when he was well, he was posting photos on the beach somewhere. Where was that, by the way, Evan? <laughs> you were on a beach. On the beach. You, oh. you were on a beach recently. You were dressed in was it white? Were you in all like white linens? Yeah. Well, no, I actually got engaged. I got engaged okay. in October. Yeah. Congratulations. So down in, down in uh, Georgia. Yeah, I took a trip right after the season ended and um and made it happen. So. Look at that. That's awesome, man. He yeah. becomes a full-time free press employee at 17, right out of whatever, <laughs> high school. And he's married. He's engaged at 18. That is awesome, he's man. Gonna, he's going to be retired in five years. You watch. That's old school. It's old school. Okay, no, I, right. I want to be around for a while. I want to be around for a while. <laughs> okay. We're just excited to have you, man. I'm sorry. Forgive us for uh, doing our little uh, whatever you call this. Uh, Carl's probably has a name for it. But no, seriously. Tell us what it's like to be back down. I mean, you were in Lakeland for the minor league camp, as you mentioned. Now you're back down for the the real thing. I shouldn't say the real thing, but uh, you know, spring training. Yeah. And there's a lot of expectation. And um, just just tell us what it feels like down there. And then I and then I think both of us would love to know what you think they're capable of this year because there's a lot of buzz back in Detroit. I'm sure you've felt it. Yeah. No. I mean, there's a lot of optimism, you know, and just going into this year. And and it's you know year two of AJ Hinch and. Um, you know, we all saw what he could do last year in terms of just, you know, his impact on a club. I think that was one of the things that surprised me the most last year was, you know, you, you always say, you know, the manager can only do so much or a coach can only do so much. And um, I, I truly think the way that he was able to, you know, maneuver his bullpen, you know, work with his his lineups and mix and match guys and, and just just the moves that he made, I, I think, made a huge impact on what the team was able to do last year. And so. You know, I would say going into this year, yeah, there's and Jeff wrote this. There's a lot of hope. I mean, that's that's the thought. But but with that comes a lot of expectations. And I think that, um, you know, for a team that went out and added, you know, Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez and Tucker Barnhart, um, you know, you, you add those names, there's going to be a lot of expectations that follow. And I think um, I think we'll see. I mean, there's there's definitely a bar, and the bar is the postseason, and that's been made known. 
um, that's been made known internally. Like that's, that, that's the goal is to make the postseason, and that's the bar that they need to be held to. Um, so I, so I would say, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of optimism. Um, there's a lot of hope there's high expectations. Um, but it kind of just seems like, you know, this is just kind of the beginning and, and we'll see where it ends up going. They got to do better against their division. They, they really struggled within the American league central. They actually did really well um, against teams with winning records last year, but, you know, could not beat the central. I think that's a, a big hump that they need to get over. Um, you know, whether that's a mental blockade or, or, or what, um, you know, it, it, it spoiled their record last year in, in a sense. And um, also the way that they started out the season in April, I mean, you, you can't, you can't start slow like that again. You have to be consistent all the way through. And, and they were really consistent after April, but um, to be able to do it for 162, like that's, that, that's where it has to be. And I think that's, that, that's kind of the demands. Well, so for some quick context, Carlos, uh, who says he's a baseball guy, I'm not sure, but you're talking about those three names, Barnhart and Rodriguez and, um, and um, who did they just? Baez. Oh, Baez. So, Baez. Sorry. Along with a, potentially a couple of the youngsters in, in Green and maybe Torkelson to a team that w- played winning baseball for almost four months, right. right? The last four months, more or less. So that's where the expectation comes, right, Carlos? I mean, what do you think? Are we talking about a parade, Carlos? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think that the you know they're gonna have to if they don't make the playoffs, I think it's gonna be a disappointment. You know, I mean, you know, Hinch just said recently I read something where he said that you know every team he's been on, every team he's managed, you know, it's like the goal is always to win the division, right? And you make the playoffs that way. Uh, playoffs are expanding a little bit um, with another wild card, so that'll help. Um, but I think I think the expectations have been set high, you know, and I don't know if this team is is like necessarily built to be some playoff monster you know but to get to be good enough you know i don't think the al central is like that hard of a division so they have it i think they should have a chance um but they have to be there i think um you know if they don't face plant right if they don't out of the gate or somewhere in the middle of the season if they aren't hit with a bunch of injuries they should have enough you know enough better defense up the middle you know uh, better offense, you know, Baez and if Torkelson and Green uh, come up and help, you know, I think I think they should be there, right, Evan? I mean, there's no reason really for them not to be in contention in in August, right? No, I, I completely agree. And I think if you even just look at the lineup and you project what it could be on opening day, right? I mean, you look at Riley Green in center, Robbie Grossman in right, Jamer Candelario at third, Javier Baez at short, Miguel Cabrera as the you know designated hitter, Torkelson at first base, Scope at second base, Barnhart as the catcher, and you know, you got Badu and, and Eric Haas platooning in left field. Like, to me, that feels like it's a playoff lineup. Like, that's a lineup that, that should be capable of, of making the playoffs as long as you get what you're expecting to get from Green and Torkelson. And, and so far, what we've seen in spring training, you know, leads me to believe that they're going to be on the roster. Like, that's, that's the biggest debate, you know, around camp is everybody knows. Everybody knows Robbie Grossman is going to be there. You know, Jamer is going to be there. And, and, and Miguel is obviously going to be there. But it's, okay, what are you going to get out of Torkelson and Green? And um, and, and what are they going to be? And I think, you know, if you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs, like you have to field your most talented roster from day one and your most talented roster includes those two players just solely based on their talent. Um, and that, that's where I'm at on that topic too. Is that, is it a given that Miggy's going to be a DH? I mean, almost full time. Cause we know how much he likes to play in the field. He loves first base. He's so social and chatty and everything for him to just become, you know, off the bench for for ABs is that is that going to work? You think with the chemistry is that is he good with that? It's actually really fascinating too because he did say he came out and said you know I, I'll I, he, I think the question was asked you know how much do you expect to play first base and the answer was you know along the lines of um, I don't know because we want Torkelson in the lineup 
And so I think that's telling in and of itself, just with where his head is at on that conversation. I mean, Miguel wants to win. He's going into the end of his career. I mean, he's got two years left. Um, you know, he, he got 500 home runs. He's looking to get to, to 3000 hits, but after that, like it's chasing a world series for Detroit. And so I think at this point in the process, right, the rebuild is over. Like this is this, it, the rebuild is not, it's over. It's not happening anymore. And, and Miguel knows that and everybody knows that. Um, and so I think he's just looking to win. So he wants to get his at bats obviously, but if that means he's not playing first base because you have Spencer Torkelson playing first base, a, 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 a legit power hitter. I think he's just fine with that as long as the Tigers are winning baseball. I mean, can we get back to, to Hinch for a second? Because you said something really interesting about, I, I don't know if you were shocked or surprised, but how much of a difference he made last year. Because you, I don't think we think about baseball that way. Like, obviously, we do with football. And to a lesser degree, uh, basketball and, and maybe even hockey some. But did it did it really surprise you to see the influence a, a manager can have? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't think that that a team was capable of rising up the way that the Tigers did last year. And what they had on paper last year was, was there was no, there were no expectations. The expectations were, you know, fourth, fifth place in the division. And then they ended up finishing third. They were, you know, they were in second place at one point, but then they ended up kind of on the, on Cleveland's tail there. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the way that I think, I think the biggest thing honestly is just player buy-in. Like I, it felt like everybody was so bought into the process, whatever it was like, Michael Fulmer, you know, he, he won rookie of the year and he was totally fine with moving to the bullpen. Like he bought into that role and it worked for him. Um, you look at Gregory Soto, a guy who has all the stuff in the world to be, to be a closer and, and AJ Hinch wouldn't call him the closer. And he just he accepted that. And, and he, you know, he, he went out and pitched whenever they told him to pitch, like, you know, just the, the player buy into the process and into the winning culture and the idea of winning every single day. Like, I know it sounds super cliche cause it kind of is, but, like that, that's how AJ Hinge works is, you know, we want to win the day. And if we win the day, then we're going to win weeks and we're going to win months. And, and, and then, you know, we're a playoff team. And it just felt like everybody bought into that, like do whatever you need to do to win today. And there was never a question. It felt like from, from any of the players. And, and if there were, those players were, were off the roster. It's interesting. I talked to uh, Jim Leland last year about, about Hinch and I know they're obviously very different managers and, and Hinch is, how can you say this? I don't want to uh, insult Leland in a way, but it's different eras, right? Correct. And different ways of thinking about the different ways of thinking about the game and how to get guys around the base paths and how to defend and shift and, and all that sort of thing. The metrics, the analytics, but where they're very similar. And Leland talked to, uh, talked to me about this. He he told he he said watching Hinch in the clubhouse remind he didn't say reminded himself, but he was sort of implying that right because Leland was a master at going from stall to stall to stall day to day like a psychologist. Basically, yeah. right. That's that's one of the things that made him so. And that's good. AJ Hinch's degree. I mean, that he's exactly, and and he felt like Hinch had that. I'm just curious. I know you don't get to see a lot of it because of COVID, but are you looking forward to kind of getting a, a better view of how that part of it works? Because he seems to be a master at it too. Yeah, most definitely. It seems like it's super. Everything's super individualized, which um, is also really interesting too. And you, you do see that, you know, at the player development level with uh, with the minor league players too. Is is a lot of these coaches are really you know making it a point to you know, kind of get away from this cookie cutter mentality of how to handle players. It's, it's really trying to dig into who these guys are, whether it's AJ Hinch and Casey Mize being the first two guys in the clubhouse, just chatting about life, you know, talking about marriage or talking about, talking about whatever it might be, right? Like they'll have these conversations and it's just really getting an understanding for, for each and every player. And then it, it seemed like too, just from talking to different people around the clubhouse and, and hearing from Hinch as well, 
um, you know, last year when, the, when, when spring training started, everybody was kind of, you know, you tiptoe around and you don't really know what to expect. And, you know, this year you have, you know, Jamer Candelario running into Hinch's office and giving him a big bear hug. Like that's, that's where he's at with these players right now. I mean, they, they have trust in him. Um, and they also respect him. And I think that's something that, you know, him and Leland do have in common as well as um, just the player respect. You, you see it every day with the way that guys respect, you know, AJ Hinch and, and what he's all about. And, you know, when you have a guy that's won a world series, you know, whether you deem it credible or not, you won a world series. And, and I think that because of that, people have latched onto him. They've, they bought in. Well, listen, uh, Evan, I'm, I'm a little conf- not confused here, but what, what's your time like? Are you, do you have, are you on a deadline? Do you need to go? No, I mean, I can stick around for a few. If you, yeah, you, you sure? got more. You should. Do you, do, you have, do you have one more set? Because we need to take a, a quick sponsor break. Uh, Tad will kill us. Yeah, go ahead. You, you got one more segment in you? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Because Carlos has like 10 questions. Rapid fire. And we need to get those answered. Yeah. Yeah. Rapid fire. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. All right. Okay. Uh, we need to take a quick break here, folks. We will be right back with more of uh, the talented young Evan Petzold. Hey, it's Sean Windsor, and I'd like to tell you about the new sports app we've launched as part of our USA Today family. USA Today Sports Plus is the new sports app that puts fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings, and enjoy interactive experiences with our award-winning sports writers, which obviously does not include me. Download USA Today Sports Plus from the Apple or Google Play stores today. USA Today Sports Plus. Fan harder. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, I can see the mind working over there. you got lots of things you want to ask Carl, uh, Excuse me, Evan here. Why don't you fire away? Yeah, my only question really is uh, which Cal State Fullerton free agent are they going to sign? You know, that's the that's the big question for the Tigers. Does Evan know that's your alma mater? Probably not, but he'll he'll learn soon enough. You just assumed that everybody reads your Wikipedia page and everybody <laughs> should know that. Now I well, know. I, I update it every day, Sean. Okay. No, no, hey, so here's here's my question with the prospects, right? The, this is the excitement. Everybody's waiting for them to come up, you know, Green and Torkelson. Uh how much? How much of the success? Like, where does where does the success hinge more? Who does it hinge more on? On Riley Green's success in the outfield and center field, such a premium position, or Torkelson at first? Um, I, I think I think Green had a much better AAA season last year, or fairly better than uh, than Torkelson. And, and and let me let me just say this: I went down to Toledo, Sean. That's the where they have the minor league games, the AAA affiliate for the Tigers. I don't know. I don't know if you've been down there, but I've been, uh, there. I've been there. Yeah. Okay, you've been there, and um, you know, I love Torkelson. I love his attitude. I love his energy. He's kind of a, a has fun. He's playful. He's smart, um, and I really am rooting for him to be on the team so that we have someone fun to talk to in the in the clubhouse. But but he didn't he didn't quite you know light the world on fire in AAA. Um, and as we know, I mean, every time if if they're going to get called up, and I forget if you wrote it or Jeff wrote it. Evan Petzl, Evan, but um, I think one of you guys predicted that Green would make it to the major league roster before Torkelson, possibly. Um, but how? Who does it? Who does that success hinge on more of those guys being successful as a rookie uh, with the Tigers? Yeah, I think I think Jeff was probably the one that wrote that that Green probably makes it before. I, I mean, I've written that in the past too. Just that you know, Green probably you know has a greater chance of making the team. Um, you know, Torkelson maybe has more to prove. Um, you know, once games get started on Friday, but, um, but, but no, I mean, I, I think it is a combination of both. Like, I feel like if you don't have, 
you know, if you have, if you have one, but not the other, it, it just, it doesn't feel like you're getting as much out of this lineup, but, but I would say, you know, if Torkelson can show something and really get clicking um, at, at the major league level, like I, when, when you look at Riley green, you see an all-star, you see a guy who can do so many different things, whether it's on the bases in center field, you know, he can, you know, he, he can hit for contact. He can hit for power. You know, he has double power. He can turn doubles into triples. Like there are just so many different things that, that Riley green can do. And I feel like a lot of Torkelson's success kind of hinges on his power and, and, and his contact though, too. I mean, he does draw more walks, so he's going to give you a better eye at the plate. Um, but I don't know. It, it's fascinating. You feel like Torkelson could almost be a, you know, 240 hitter with, you know, 30 plus home runs and you're going to take that, but maybe that's his ceiling um, kind of as we watch him me. develop. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's who he is. Riley green. It feels like he's more of like that, that all-star potential someday MVP type, you know, rookie of the year type. So I, so I think, you know, if you're looking at who's going to be better right out of the gate, um, you know, coming out of the shoot, I think it's Riley green. I think Riley green is the guy that you got to watch as a rookie of the year. And I think he's somebody that could be hitting, you know, lead off playing center field and, you know, being a key part of, of taking this team to the postseason. Um, I think for Torkelson, even though he might start a little bit slower, um, you know, he, he just, to me, he feels like more of just a power bat right now. And that's where I'm kind of at with them. Now, how you want to value that in terms of what's more important or what's not. I mean, I'll give the nod to green because of all of his tools. Um, I think he's, he's more important in that way, but, but I think you got to have both if for this team to be good, you, you got to have both those guys clicking. Speaking of value in that, and I'm not saying that Torkelson's all or nothing, but to a lot of fans, the game, that's where the game is these days, right? Not as much contact. The defense isn't involved as much. Uh, we don't want to even get into the time and the pitchers out of the mound. And the, Sean hates uh, baseball. No, I, mean, I love. Just so I, you understand, I I actually love baseball, and I was the I helped out with the Tigers for several years with John Lowe, but after Morosi left, you remember that, and I was on the road with him all the time and loved it, mostly to go eat in uh, Oakland. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm it's every, every time I challenge Sean about hockey, it's like, oh, I co- I was the undercover fan. I wrote something. Well, I did. Like, I, I used to. Back in 2008. I watched Chelios push the, the Stanley <laughs> Cup in a grocery cart at 3 in the morning out of the igloo in Pittsburgh when they won a the cup in 2007 or 8 or whatever. No, no, no. No, seriously, though, what do you think of the – because a lot of fans have mixed feelings about this, Evan, and I want to get your opinion that uh, baseball basically has become more fascist and less democratic, as uh, Crash Davis would say, right? That the ball's not spread around and not as many guys are as involved. Uh, I'm curious what you think. In, involved in terms of? The, there's, there are fewer balls in play, for one, right? So not as many def- defensive guys are involved. And just the emphasis on power, power and walks, right? And strikeouts don't matter. Power walks and stri- – stri- yeah, right, right. No, I mean, I think I think the game is, is, is trending that way, no doubt. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's value in, in – and everything. I mean, if, yeah, home runs are, are going to be key, of course. And, of course, you know, you could look at a guy like Torkelson and say, yeah, like that's where that's where his value might be. But I don't think there's anything wrong with you take Jamer Candelario, for example, a guy who didn't hit a ton of home runs, but hit, um, you know, he led the majors in, in doubles and has insane gap to gap power. And for a guy like that, I mean, like, I, I don't I don't know how you can look at a player like that and say, like, yeah, he's he's not as valuable as uh, Robbie Grossman, who you know, hit 20 plus home runs. Like I, I, I see Jamer as more valuable than, than, than Robbie Grossman in that way. So I think it's a combination of things. I think you need a little bit of everything in your lineup though. I don't think it can just be, you know, all, all power. I mean, I don't, I don't think that really works for you. Um, I think you have to have guys that can draw walks. I think you need to have guys that can steal bases. I think you need to have 
a really good blend of, of a lot of different things. And if you can do that, I think that's where you, you find your most successful teams. Do you enjoy covering and, or, or writing about a lot of the analytics and expressing and explaining? I mean, you don't have to, for some fans, surely you don't have to explain, but working in new, they're not new numbers. They've been around for a decade or more now. But um, do you enjoy that? Because I was looking at a piece of yours recently on uh, Eric Haas, and I think you just listed his batting average, maybe his homers, and one other number, just sort of the old school numbers. Yeah. And it's, it struck me a little bit because these days you 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 don't see that as much. And I'm just curious where you, you fall into that and do you enjoy that part and learning the new, not new, but but been incorporating that some of that math into your for your readers? No, yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to learn more about, you know, things like fielding independent pitching and, and BABIP and, um, you know, diff, different numbers when you look at them and, and you try to understand, like, why they matter um, and, and kind of what they exit, say about exit a certain velocity. player. Yeah, I mean, when you go, you can go into exit velo, you can go into um, expected batting average, expected spin rates for the pitchers. Yeah, right, spin rates, and there there are so many different things that that you can look at in that sense. And I think when it's important to bring those things up, it's important to bring those things up, and it's important to mention those. I mean, it's it's for me at least, it's it's a learning process to you know understand more about what those numbers mean and um, and what to take away from them. But but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's fascinating. I think there are certain times where those numbers are really important. I mean, you look at Eduardo Rodriguez, for an exa- for example, I mean, the Tigers signed him and you go look at his ERA and his ERA wasn't very good last year for the Red Sox, but his FIP was really good. So he had a good feeling independent pitching, which means he, you know, was kind of harmed by poor defense and he was also a little bit unlucky. Um, and, and so you able to take away from that and you can say, yeah, well, the ERA really doesn't show who he was as a, as a pitcher last year. And so to be able to explain that throughout a story, really enjoy it for a guy like Eric Haas. I mean, for, for him, it's pretty easy just to to smack the home runs on there and say he's got a lot of power, but yeah, right, no, no, for sure that stat still does. I mean, it's like moving away from wins, you know, with, with a with a pitcher, right? Yeah, I rarely use wins because there's so many other factors, right, Carlos? Yeah, even though they get paid on wins, yeah, they don't uh, they don't matter as much. But yeah, you have to. There, there's an old saying, Evan, by the way, about statistics. If you if you torture them long enough, they'll tell you what you want to know. So it's always it's always good to use numbers, and I, I you know the numbers are great and everything, but don't be a math nerd. Don't, I mean, it's just all this, you know, launch, launch angle and velo and all this. What's wrong it's with like, that? Oh you don't actually God. like sports, do you? No, no, I love sports. Well, but I, yeah, I actually like watching the games. I like, I like, you know, having a feel for who these players well, are. I, know, I, I think this, the, no, no, I, well, I do. I want to just jump in and just say, like, I do think the eye test is still really important when you do look at numbers. I mean, if you, if you look at Casey Mize, what he was able to do last year, I mean, he had a three, seven, one ERA. He led the team in innings and starts. And he analytically, like if you want to look at all the numbers, you know, expected ERA was terrible, hard hit percentage, terrible, um, expected slugging percentage, terrible, strikeout rate percentage, not very good. Chase rate was not very good. Whip, uh, uh, whiff percentage. So swing and misses, not very good. Like all the analytics that you want to dive into all portray Casey Mize as not a very good pitcher. But I think, you know, everybody that watched him last year, sure, he had some ups and downs throughout the year, but he was pretty solid and consistent. Exactly. You know, and so I do think there's a little bit of both, like there's a little bit of give and take there that you have to be, you know, okay with and understand as well. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you know, it's almost like a, if you say you're, you're, you don't like metrics or whatever it is, like, it's almost like you're, I don't know, like a dinosaur or a pariah in baseball circles. Like if you don't like metrics, there's something wrong with you. You know, it's, it's a tool 
you know, that's available and you should use it when you can. I think Evan's, you know, saying the right thing about, you know, it, it helps you understand. It gives you a fuller understanding of what's happening and why and everything. But the people who just rely on it all the time and we don't do enough metrics and all this stuff. It's like, you know, it's almost like baseball has too much time on its hands sometimes. And that's why you want to really get into all the numbers to try to, like, pick apart. My brother-in-law is like this. He's he's a huge analytics guy and we'll we'll i can't talk baseball with him because all he wants to talk about is numbers you know and it's almost like do you even know who's playing for he's a big st louis cardinals fan like who's playing for the cardinals you know like no but his his whatever this and that you know like oh my god um you sound like jim leland by the way now that's a compliment thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna get my cigarette hang on for a second real quick though to go back to what you're saying about you know analytics and in in kind of the eye test and what you see i mean i think that is one thing that um, AJ Hinch does deserve quite a bit of credit for. I mean, a lot of people label him as like a analytics only type manager. Um, but I, I think he does still have a really good, true, um, old school feel for the game in a sense where he's able to, he's able to see things, but he's also able to blend, you know, what he's getting from the analytics department and, and from what he's also picking up himself. And there's a really good blend there. And I, I do find that fascinating. That's another thing that, that impressed me last year about him was just his ability to not be, um, not be so one-sided one way or the other like it's it's a pretty impressive blend well the other thing too about him and i remember reading reading and, and listening to him last year a few times like he's he, he's a great fundamentals coach or he's got people like you mentioned federer earlier the pitching coach right he's got people on the staff that understand this and that's i that that's what i gravitate towards you know carlos will probably make fun of that right but um it, it, he helped the team to me just pointing out things about you know how you balance and how you stand and where you go and i'm not saying he's the hitting coach or the pitching coach but he brings a lot of that to the table too at least from my perspective i'm curious what what you think of that even things like you know infield defense with and outfield defense with pre-pitch preparation like what are you doing when the ball is being thrown you know towards home plate like how is everybody moving in sync and um, what do the steps look like and also too another thing where you bring you know where the analytics then come into that is like you know every pitch a guy might shift a little bit in the infield. I mean, regardless of how you're playing against a specific hitter, depending on the count, you know, they know, okay, well, if it's a one, two count against this hitter, we're going to want to move our guys a little bit more, you know, towards the third baseline, let's just say, or a little bit more towards the first baseline, or we're going to shift, you know, the shortstop a little bit more this way, if it's a two, two count, you know, because they have all these, you know, and that's, that's where the analytic plays into it. But then it's okay. Like we have our guys in position, but now what are we going to be doing to make a clean double play? What are we going to be doing to, um, to, to make sure that we have the best read that we can on a ball hit to the outfield. And a lot of that goes into the pre-pitch stuff. And that just goes back to basic fundamentals of the game. Like that, that, that is just how you move as an infielder, how you move as an outfielder. Um, what are you doing to, to, to be repetitive and to be in sync with you know, everybody else in the field as the ball is being you know released from your pitcher's hand? Like, like what does that all look like? And so, it's hard to really like describe exactly what that means, but, um, but, but yeah, like the, the, the foundations of those things are all there and that that's really interesting too. Yeah, no, for sure. He's a, he's a master technician. Um, Evan, I, I know you need to go, you got, you're busy down there providing really great coverage for the free press and Carlos and I are grateful as are our readers and maybe Tad, I don't know. All he cares about is formula one racing. He told us before the show. So I guess that's his loss and he likes soccer too. Right, Carlos? Yeah, he's, made, he's, he's, a, he's he's yeah. We hear about that every week too. I think That's it's the life fan too. Pardon me. I think it's yeah, a yeah, life yeah. fan. Who's the yeah, Formula no. One guy? Is that Lewis, is Lewis Hamilton? Is he the main guy? Is that his name? 
Oh, look at you're getting a thumbs up. That's Our listeners name. can't see that, but Tad just actually smiled and gave us a thumbs up. That's like about as close as you're ever going to hear. We'll just describe his, <laughs> we'll describe his uh, gestures. But Evan, no, I'd like to I'd like to wrap up with this. Um, if you'll humor me for a second, uh, you mentioned Cabrera getting 500 home runs and chasing 3,000 hits, and I wrote about him a couple of times last year when he was really scuffling, and then and then when he got that uh, achievement or made the 500 home run club. And I just I'm curious what you expect from him this year. Does he have a little late, late, late career running him? You know, or and I'm also I just as a you, you grew up in Michigan, I assume, and you, you've watched him for a long, long time. Now you've been able to cover him for a while. But we were talking earlier about fundamentals and technique. I mean, you forget the analytics. You watch him at bat, especially when he was his prime, and the combination of that size and strength, and how light he was on his feet, and the balance, and obviously those hands. I mean, he was just—he was just really gorgeous to watch. And beautiful, it's beautiful. Uh, I, I just, don't. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. One of the most beautiful baseball players I think ever. Right. I mean, it's—it's it's just, it's just really something. He was a pleasure to write about. Just and the stories would people tell would would tell the, the feats he would pull off. But. But what do he you was expect? terrible, terrible in the clubhouse. By the way, he would not talk to reporters. He was mercurial. He was difficult to deal with. But he's but keep on with your with your uh, love fest. Go ahead. No, no, no. We're gonna, we're talking about what he does fun, as a he's baseball. He's fun in spring training. He's fun yeah, in spring training. He though. is. He's, bouncing he around. Often, he's happy. But he often was. Yeah, he often was. By the time he got north, you know, right. And he had some he had some issues there a couple a couple of years. But we're we're not talking about that. I mean, that's documented. We all understand that. We're just talking about him in the batter's box, right? It's, it's, it's just watching him was a, a, a privilege if you like baseball. And it's not the same now, and it's hard sometimes to watch, you know, great, great, great players fall off like that. But what do you expect from, from him this season? Yeah, I, I think maybe if he can give, you know, a little bit more of the same of, of what he gave last year. I mean, I would consider that to be a pretty productive season for where he's at right now. I mean, obviously, look, we're not going to get two-time MVP, you know, Miguel Cabrera, you know, triple crown um, you know, winning Miguel Cabrera like that. That's not the guy who's around anymore, but if he can hit somewhere around 250 and, you know, hit 15 to, to 20 home runs and play around 130 games, 140 games, like if that's possible for him and he's able to take it easy as a designated hitter and um, not have to put, you know, pressure on his body and he's accepted that role and he's got his eyes on winning. Like if that's, if that's where he's at, I think, I think you could, you could see 250 with, you know, 18, 19, 20 home runs. I, th- I think that's, I think that's productive enough. I think that's, you know, what the Tigers might need in the line. And now we'll see if they end up moving him down in the order and what that looks like and how that goes down, because um, that, that, that'll be fascinating to see when that does happen, because you almost assume that it, it's going to happen with some of the names they brought in. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he has his chase to, to 3000 and he's 13 away. And I, I think it's really easy for him to sit back and just hit singles. He's, He's a great contact hitter. He can he he can hit the ball when he wants to. I, I think he had a hard time last year um, getting past that 500 home run mark. I, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself, um, especially you know as he was inching closer and closer to try to you know drive the ball out. And you know he had mentioned that you know a couple times he said you know it's really tough to do that. It's it's hard to hit home runs. And so I think he put a lot of pressure on himself in that way. And you know once he was able to get past that, I mean we saw him rattle off some I think nine straight hits. Um, you know, I think it was against the Phillies and, and another team too, that he was playing. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think making contact isn't going to be a problem for him if that's what his primary focus is. I think as long as he can stay healthy and, and stay on the field, I, I don't see why he can't, you know, reach 250 
with, with 20 home runs. And I think that's fine for, for where he's at in his career. And maybe he's in the sixth spot. I think you take that all day. Your point about contact is a good one. I mean, to me, I've always thought of him as Tony Gwynn with, you know, Mickey Tettleton's power. Those are a couple of names for Carlos, right? I mean, it's a singles hitter with, with ridiculous power. Right. And, and, spray, and, spray. And, and I know he can't pull the ball like he used to because he just, you know, the, the hips don't swivel like that. And he doesn't have the power to the opposite field, although he can still hit singles over there. But um, I'm not sure why Carlos despises him, but maybe Carlos should, uh, should expound on that a little bit real quickly because then we got to take a break, Carlos. No, I don't. I don't hate Miggy. I like Miggy. He's that's the problem. Is Miggy is he? He has so much potential to be fascinating and to be fun and interesting, but he doesn't open himself up to you know to reporters and and by the way, what he doesn't like, he, you know, he doesn't really know me. I'm not. I'm not around enough. But when he realizes that I speak Spanish, she doesn't like it because then he can't speak Spanish freely. Like he feels like nobody <laughs> understands him. And a couple of times I might say something to him in Spanish, you know, good morning, whatever. And he's like, "Uh oh, like like he realizes I can't be as free, you know, not that I would ever, you know, what would I care if you if he says something silly? You don't speak Spanish. I mean, hola doesn't count. Come on, man. Hola. Yeah. You know, chimichanga (laughs) here and there. Of course I do. You know, we're all bilingual here, Sean, Um, except for me. Yeah. But I I just wished I wished I had such high hopes for him. I wish he would have been more. And and that's the thing. Right, Evan? I mean, he can be playful, especially in in, in spring training and the lot in the clubhouse. Everybody's fooling around. Nobody cares. He 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 doesn't play road games, all that stuff. You know, he's but it never gets fun. It never gets deep. Never gets deep. And, And I don't even care if it gets deep. Just have fun, you know, but it's just like he seems to have have had less fun over the years. And even when he's had big games, he won't talk after the game. Sometimes it's, it's just, it's just frustrating because you wish there was more there. You could tell his story better. That's the shame of it is he's always been. Well, well, and Sean, you said something about his beautiful swing and all that. And that's absolutely, you know, who reminds me of Ted Williams. Ted Williams had a major, he just, he never got along, you know, with the media and the fans and he was angry his whole time. Yeah. He kind of reminds me. I don't know the Cabrera's, yeah I, yeah, I don't know that Cabrera is that angry. From my experience when I was around the team a lot, and, and I, I remember writing a couple of long profiles about him and talking to a lot of people, and here's how I always thought about him. He came, in his prime, first of all, he came up, and he was so highly regarded. He's, he's a little bit like LeBron in Venezuela, right? He had the he had the weight of a country on his shoulder. I mean, he's the king over there. He is the king. He he did, and, he, and, and, and it's a, there's some difficult circumstances in that country. And when you make that kind of money – Right there, and the the expectation it's just it's complex, and the, the weight of that I always felt like kind of bogged him down. The fact that he was able to hit and play like he did despite that, I always thought was a minor miracle. To be honest, now it leaked out in other area of his life, unfortunately here and there. But but to me, that's that's what I thought of him, Carlos. I mean, that's how. Yeah, I, I mean, possibly a, you know you can't discount that. But there was a guy named Fernando Valenzuela who had a lot of weight on his shoulders who didn't act that way. I mean, you can't just say you can't just write it off as you know. Hey, man, there's volatility in your home country. There's kidnappings. There's all this other stuff. It, it, it's true of all Latin American star players, you know, who are elite, iconic players. You know, um, they all have something to worry about. But uh, I mean, I, I went I went to enough promotional things with Miggy, promotional things, promoting salsa, promoting candy, whatever it was. And he just wouldn't even have fun. He was like, I was like, Why are, what are we doing? Like, how many times are we going to knock on this door? And Miggy's just, I don't know. I don't know. It was, and it's hard to, I mean, the, going back to the Aishan thing, Sean, it, it was sometimes hard to figure out, like, what, what, what kind of, what do you have against 
opening yourself a, a little bit more to the media, to, to fans. It's just, it, it's not for everybody, right? So, it sure isn't. Know, yeah. In, in any case, uh, look, uh, we could obviously, you know, have Evan on uh, for a couple of hours and every week. And after this show, I'm not sure he's going to ever want to come back. <laughs> now let's do it again. Let's but do we, it again. But we, but we hope he does. We hope he does. Um, thanks so much, Evan, for giving us uh, a couple of segments, giving uh, your time. Keep up the great, great work. I hope we didn't embarrass you too much, but uh, we we both absolutely mean this. The Free Press is very, very lucky to have you, and I hope you will stick around at least for a little bit. We don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, hopefully you'll stick around for at least a little bit. Um, in any case, look, uh, thanks again, Evan. We are going to take one more break to keep uh, Tad happy. By the way, we haven't mentioned Anjanette Delgado yet. We probably got <laughs> to do that. So there, there, there's that obligation. Um, it's more of a duty, really, I guess, than an obligation. In any case, we will be right back. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press. And now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, th- th- that was a privilege to have him. And we-, we-, we were not blowing smoke. This is a talented young guy. The Free Press had a lot of talented young folks over the years. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep them around, especially if they have, you know, desires to go out and write books or get on national television. I don't know that that's Evan's path or not. I, I'm sure he can go do whatever he wants, but uh, we're going to enjoy gonna We're going to enjoy him. I don't know if he's going to go that path, but uh, we're going to enjoy him for as long as we can have him, right? Kirk's going to listen to this, as he always does. Kirkland Crawford, our sports editor, and he's not going to be happy <laughs> that, we're even, that we're even planting the seed. But come on, he's... He's gonna yeah, he's gonna have to give him a raise uh, or something after this. He's gonna, yeah, yeah. Come on, Peter. He's <laughs> gonna have to do uh, he's gonna have to do something to make sure we keep this guy around. But in any case, Carlos, uh, I, I think you have a favorite thing to uh, to share with us and share with our listeners. I do. Uh, this was this is a special one. Um, last week uh, we had to say goodbye to an excellent excellent reporter at the Free Press for for about the last decade. Joe Guillen, um, one of our investigative reporters, um, he's he's leaving. He's going to Axios. Um, he's going to stay in Detroit in the area, but um, but it was tough. It's it's always tough, and this is I, this is one of those things in journalism that if you've ever seen it on TV or in movies where they have going aways, it's kind of true the way they show it. There's people gather at a bar and they say things and they give them a hard time. It's a little bit of a roast. You know, so it's always fun to kind of get together with your colleagues and especially as as bittersweet as it was to wish Joe well and, and also say goodbye to him and everything. It was really nice to see a lot of the staff together, Sean. And I know you couldn't make it because I don't know, you were out having dinner, 
doing something fun. No, I was I was at uh, Indianapolis at the Big Ten basketball tournament. Yeah, so you were eating your way through Indianapolis, and so couldn't meet with the with the colleagues, but. Uh, but we were we, we gathered at a, at a bar downtown Detroit, um, an Eastern Market, and it was just interesting to see all the people we hadn't seen before. You know, it'd been I don't know how long years, Sean. I'm I'm ashamed to say years since I'd seen some of my, my colleagues, some editors, some writers. Um, our, our good friend Jim Schaefer was there. He he gave the big toast for Joe. And it was just it was just so nice with all the difficulty we're going through with the pandemic and all these times just to get together like we used to get together um, and see everybody. And I, and I hope we do it more often. I hope we find reasons to gather. Um, and I know that the nice thing has been on these Zoom calls or Teams calls. Uh, we do this as a staff. Peter, our, our editor, um, calls together these staff meetings fairly regularly, I think, uh, once a month or so. So we get to see each other and and chime in through the ch- chat function and, you know, make jokes. But to see people in person, uh, it was really refreshing. And uh, I realized how much I'd missed it. So that was my my favorite thing last week, Sean. So you're not a misanthrope. That's nice. I like it. You actually like people. It's my fa- I came up with my favorite thing. How can I be a misanthrope? Yeah, you, yeah your favorite thing about Carl's world, your worldview, <laughs> the world through your eyes, right? Sean's favorite thing. That's what it not, is. Uh, not, no, it doesn't need to be mine. It's just, uh, you know, never mind the other 5 billion people around you. Um, or however it's, many. it's my favorite thing that Sean approves of. How about that? By the way, your your old but your buddy, your your nemesis, your your foil, the thorn in your side, Mike Elric showed up. So uh, so we had a nice long chat about Sean Windsor. Uh, that was that was enjoyable. I, I actually can only I'm, were your ears were your ears ringing in Indianapolis? I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that was fun. It was. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. No, I, I, I hear you, Carlos. It's always great to be around uh, colleagues and, and friends. And, and Well, it's great when colleagues are friends. And it's been that way at the Free Press on and off for uh, – not on and off. It's been that way at the Free Press for a long, long time. And I was really sorry I missed it, but I was in uh, the Big Ten at the Big Ten Tournament now at Indianapolis, and now I'm right back down in Indianapolis. I'm here for uh, to watch Michigan. By the time you hear this, they probably will have – well, no, if you're listening to this early enough – uh, the game will have, have not taken place yet, so you know, we're not completely dating dating here. But anyway, March Madness uh, is one of my favorite events, Carlos. I love being at the tournaments. This year, I'm lo- I'm going to be lucky enough to be to watch Michigan, write about Michigan, and then a little bit of Michigan State. We'll see how far they go. Um, and it, I, I'm curious, what do you think of the tournament? I know you're not a huge basketball guy, but do you, do you like this time of the year? Because other than the Super Bowl, I, I'm not sure there's any sporting event in the country that brings – a lot of non non sports fans are very casual sports fans together. A lot of it's betting, office pools, squares, all that sort of stuff. Brackets, filling out brackets. But uh, but some of it's just the excitement of of games of teams that you you know like Cal State Fullerton, right? Your alma mater of teams you don't normally get to watch or see or maybe don't even know about. Yeah, exactly. My my uh, fifteen seed Cal State Fullerton Titans are going to play number two Duke, so that that should be really enjoyable for I don't know three or four minutes probably. Um, you know, I actually do. I'm not a big bracket head or whatever, but the whole thing, the selection Sunday and explaining why teams were cheated or whatever. Um, by the way, nine Big Ten teams in the tournament. What would Drew Sharp be saying right now? Um, but it's just a, it's just a carnival. It's just a it should. It's almost like our national other than the Super Bowl, which 
uh, it's just a one-time, one-day thing, you know. This thing goes on for, for weeks, right? And it's just so fun to watch it, uh, get excited about it. And and speaking as a reporter, I will say this. And, you know, Sean, you, you tease me about being jaded and cynical, which I completely am. But I will say I have covered the NCAA tournament a few times on the road and at home and different things. There is something special about it, even as a as a crusty old reporter that I am. It, there's something magical. What what is it, Sean? Can you explain it? That it's just if there's a, an intensity, a vibe, an excitement. The press conferences, the games. What is it? Well, I think there are a couple of things, and then and then we're and I'll so I'll leave you with this. There, there are a couple of things. One, it's just the idea of the single elimination, right? So you put everything out there. And, you know, for in, in basketball, college basketball is two twenty-minute halves. The games last about two hours, so they're not that long. But you put everything out there, and um, and then your season ends or it doesn't, right then and there. So there's the there's the pressure of that, and then two, um, sixty-four teams get in, sixty-eight actually, if you include the four teams of the playing game, and all these schools, uh, you know, it, it it feeds our underdog mentality in this country. It feeds our sense of fairness i'm not saying you know we have a lot of issues a lot of struggles in this country but the tournament at least it speaks to kind of how we'd like to be right and how we want to be and we, we throw everybody in the pot whether you're duke or cal state fullerton whether you're montana state or, or or kansas and um and then we see what happens and upsets do happen in in teams that uh that are driving around on a bus instead of a, a charter jet <laughs> beat the teams on the charter jet and it's it just it's sort of the anti elite sort of strain that runs through it. So it speaks to all that. Then you just have the the finishing, the last minute shots, and it's all rolled up in into that. And I really think um, that's what makes it so so thrilling for so many people, including so many people that aren't regular. You know, they're not watching Big Ten or SEC basketball in February, right? But they're tuning in on uh, this week when their games from from noon to you know midnight, one in the morning wall-to-wall games and you can peek in and you know you share the finishes it's just uh i think it speaks to our ideals even if it doesn't quite speak to maybe where we are it it, it speaks to where we'd like to be though i'm very proud that you didn't use the word zeitgeist uh you know so that's kudos to you sean i, n- I never use that word no i've never used oh, that word actually on. that's your word to stereotype somebody <laughs> that uh yeah i don't know what is bald i guess who knows in any case that was a lovely uh Favorite thing, and um, we'll see. I don't know that Michigan and Michigan State either one are going to make a run, but you never know. Um, that's the beautiful thing about this tournament, right? You know, they, they make runs sometimes when we least expect them. That's the other one part question, of this. One question I had for you, which which I don't think you answered it in your wonderful column about all the storylines. That, that's why we love March Madness. But uh, how did Michigan get uh, – what are they? Ele- uh, 11. An 11 seed? How did they get an 11 seed? And Indiana's got to be playing in the first four. How did that happen? Well, it has to do with your overall. It's it's the schedule, the quad one wins, quad two wins, the strength of schedule. It's who you beat mm-hmm. and when you beat them and the strength of that team. And there's it's a logarithm. There's math involved. It's not just, okay, look at their record anymore. You know, you, in, the, in the past, if you had 16, 17 wins, you weren't going to get in the tournament, right? Yeah. And it's, it's changed. They've based it, tried to make it more fair. And Michigan has – a fair amount of decent wins this year, and um, and they played a fairly tough schedule. So that's how. Yeah. 
And the selection committee wants the Detroit market, so they give Michigan an 11th seed. Okay. Uh, That's also possible. They do like stories. I mean, that's why they put Michigan State against Davidson. Davidson's point guard played at Michigan State. Foster Lawyer, uh, Mr. Basketball in the state, played at Clarkson High. And why, if they somehow beat Davidson, uh, they'll they'll probably face Duke. And, you know. Or Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, yeah, or Cal State Fullerton. Izzo and Krzyzewski, of course they see this. Of course, (laughs) they want the stories. That's what the tournament's all about. It's all about stories. And I think uh, our story is over for this week, right, Carlos? Or at least this podcast. Hopefully not. I think so. We're going to do F1 chat with uh, Tad Davis coming up pretty soon. Yeah, we we will do that. We will do that. (laughs) In any case, uh, it's uh, a pleasure as always, Carlos. It's good to see you. It's fun to join. Uh, your podcast. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Anytime, it, Sean. It's a, it's, a, it's a real privilege. We want to thank you all out there for taking the time to listen, for uh, giving a few more minutes to uh, to whatever it is we're doing here, Carlos. I don't know. We'll figure it out at some point. We want to thank Tad Davis, who uh, makes all this possible. Uh, we want to thank Anjanette Delgado. Sorry, Anjanette, you only got mentioned once before this, but we'll make that up to you next week. We want to thank Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor, Peter Batia, the editor, make this all – well, look, the executive editor. We used to call him the big guy, but you know, that's probably not the smartest thing anymore. Let's just say Peter Batia, executive editor. Can we do that? You, you made him sound like a video game boss or something, the big guy. Like, Well, he is he is a boss, right? I mean, he's he's the boss. How about that? Well, yeah, we want to thank all those folks. Uh, look, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, g- give us a shout on the on the, on the rating system, wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple. Uh, subscribe if you like. Leave us some comments, feedback. We always enjoy that. And um, we will see you all next week.